It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher-level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Welcome to Deal of the Week, Bloomberg's podcast on the world of deals, mergers, and acquisitions. I'm your host, Alex Sherman. Thank you for listening. The big news, not only in the deals world, but really in the entire world this week, were the accusations against Harvey Weinstein from a slew of Hollywood actresses. I'm sure you're all quite familiar with this story by now. Well, we found out earlier this week that Weinstein's company, called Weinstein Co., has initiated talks to sell itself to Colony Capital, the private equity arm of Colony North Star, run by billionaire Thomas Barrick. So this week, I wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive into the entertainment industry, explaining exactly what Weinstein Co. is, how it makes its money, and why it's suddenly selling. Obviously, we know in part why it's suddenly selling, but maybe a little bit into the finances of this privately owned company. And I also wanted to give some context around the idea of selling out of distress, because it's pretty rare to see something like this. When bad news comes out about an individual... And that person's company immediately begins sales discussions. Theoretically, obviously, you wouldn't want to sell immediately when all of this bad news comes out, but sometimes maybe you have to. So to achieve both of these goals, I'm joined by Bloomberg Entertainment reporter Anusha Sakui in Los Angeles and Larry Hutcher, co-founder and co-managing partner at Davidoff, Hutcher, and Citron, a New York-based law firm. Uh, And Larry specializes in quote, business divorce. So Anusha and Larry, welcome to Deal of the Week. Thank you. Hey, morning. Uh, Hi, Anusha. Thanks for joining us uh, somewhat early in Los Angeles. Let's start with you. Uh, What is Weinstein Co.? And give us a sense of its size and role in the larger Hollywood community. The Weinstein Company is the follow-on company to Miramax, which is really probably how we best know um, Harvey Weinstein. It was the company that produced... Oscar-winning independent films like Shakespeare in Love. And it really is known for sort of upending the way that independent films were, you know, the popularity of independent films. And also, you know, just the way that people went about winning Oscars, that was pretty much what they kind of became known for, this, like, very aggressive Oscar campaigns. And, you know, he won a lot of awards and was nominated, you know, has many, many nominations for their films as well. They had the Miramax company with his brother Bob, and then eventually that was sold to Disney. And there was a you know a, a very long tortured uh, relationship there. And eventually they they left and formed a new company called the Weinstein Co. And it makes and distributes uh, movies, small independent movies, and also television. Um, has quite a successful television business, the TV show Project One Way. So. In terms of its finances, it's you know a difficult one in Hollywood when it comes to small companies like this one um, because they're private and it's also a difficult business when 
you're doing small independent films because, you know, it's obviously binary. You have hits and misses, and if you don't get enough hits uh, in a row, you know, it can put it can put pressure on a company, and it's it's just very volatile, and it's hard to get an idea into their finances. There have been rumours about them for, you know, the past couple of years, maybe struggling a bit. Um, we've seen many of their films uh, delayed. What are some examples of films that we know of? Well, for example, they're very much known for, like, putting out Tarantino's films, so, you know, like The Hateful Eight. But uh, more recently, in the past couple of years, for example, uh, Tulip Fever with uh, Alicia Vikander that came out very recently, you know, that had been delayed for, you know, more than a year. It's very hard to get an idea of, like, you know, what was going on financially in the company, but we could see from the outside that there were some films getting delayed, and we can see that, you know, they, they also were quite public about efforts to try and sell their TV business or get an investor into it. So that that was, you know, sort of on the corporate action front, that, that was kind of what was going on. Broadly speaking, they haven't been doing very well recently, we think, based on sort of the top-line numbers that are public from their both the the TV side and the film side? Uh, exactly. And they also were, you know, they have come down from some of their peak, you know, box office revenue highs. Like I think 2013 was about um, the highest they got recently. And they, they just haven't, you know, been as strong in the past year. And, and part of that is, just the volatility of the movie business, you know, you, it's hard to it's hard to predict winners and, and losers in your in your film portfolio. But also, the demand for independent film has, has kind of gone down. You know, the sort of like adult dramas, people just aren't going to the cinema as much to see those kind of movies, and that's a sort of structural shift in demand uh, that has happened over the past couple of years. That you know, big studios have shifted towards making, you know, huge. Hundred million dollars, you know, multi-hundred million dollar movies um, that are franchises that um, are sort of lower risk because people know the characters, they know what they're doing, even though they're more expensive, uh, they know what to expect. Whereas adult drama, you know, it's it's a much harder business, you know, and, and if you end up spending too much, you can end up losing a lot of money. So it's definitely seen a fall off in box office revenue in the past couple of years as well. All right, so so Larry, give us a sense of why, in this position with such bad news coming out, why you would sell now? Because it seems to me that you might want to wait and weather the storm a little bit. Because theoretically, isn't now like the worst time to sell? What what do we know uh, that might indicate that this is why a company like this would sell? Well, it, it, the typical situation is not generally applicable to this business where it is a talent-driven business. It's a relationship business because you need to have the talent come to your studio, make movies, be the writer, be the producer, be the director because of the absolute smell and taint that is now totally infecting this company. It has no value going forward. Talent will not touch this company. And Hollywood is based upon relationships. Uh, Spielberg will not do business there. So one thing, what they have in the pipeline, yes, they may be able to release those, but in terms of attracting new talent, it's not going to happen. So they have to forge a strategy that will enable them to salvage what it is that they have and then take that asset and, and 
parlay it into the most money they possibly can. And, and what do they have? They have their library. They have they they have works in progress. They have existing inventory of product. They have long-term contracts. They have a uh, inventory of shows. They're a significant assets. They, for example, we heard uh, Lin Manuel, who is trying to get back his rights to In the Heights. Lin-Manuel so, Miranda. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the, the composer of Hamilton, the creator of Hamilton, his original work was in the Heights. Miramax controls that. That is a very, very valuable asset. So Manuel can either say, I'm not going to cooperate with you, but it wouldn't enable him to get those rights back. So they will continue to hold that. So that is an asset that could be sold, assigned, or transferred to somebody else. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. So, Anusha, let's talk about the buyer for a second, Colony Capital. What we know is we don't actually know if they're going to buy the whole company at this point. They've said that they're in a preliminary agreement to to have a capital infusion into this company, which I would imagine is probably for some equity in return, which may result in an entire sale. What is the history between Colony and, and the Weinstein brothers? You're right. It's a cash infusion we don't know how much, and some people I've spoken to, you know, are speculating that you know maybe it's secured on on some assets, but also it's unclear how much how many assets they have left to secure and raise money against um, that haven't already been leveraged. So it's a cash infusion, and it does look like the first step in uh, some kind of transaction. And and when I saw you know this you know announcement of this deal, I was sort of not surprised in a way because there is a connection between these two groups of people, and that goes back to um, Tom Barrack being a shareholder and controlling shareholder of Miramax. After Disney sold uh, Miramax, he he, uh, he had a, a shareholding in it through Colony Capital, and it sort of became a controlling shareholding after sort of various transactions at the shareholder level. And uh, he sold out of it fairly recently, actually, to be in the uh, Middle Eastern broadcasters. Did the Weinsteins have anything to do with Miramax after they sold it to Disney and then left the company? Were they still equity holders? Technically not, um, but they did do a deal uh, back in 2013 between the Weinstein company and Miramax to allow them to go and you know have access to the to the library and, and various rights that Miramax held to see if the Weinstein company could make um, anything of you know what was in what was in the library and kind of part of the trend of like you know tapping old titles and see if you can make sequels or follow-ons so uh, not a huge amount came from that but there was that link so you you know at that point that they had done a deal together and and it sort of also highlights that what the value of, of what the Weinstein company is or what Miramax was, which is, you know, these the two brothers, Bob and Harvey, but, you know, obviously, particularly Harvey, um, you know, had this uh, taste in film and this ability to make these Oscar-winning uh, independent films. Under Colony Capital, they sort of rebuilt Miramax without the brothers, but, you know, really it was not the company that was, uh, you know, the, that had, you know, the Weinstein brothers themselves. It wasn't making those kind of level of 
uh, award-winning movies. It was sort of doing relatively small uh, pictures. So he did rebuild you know, their, their own production capability and um, and was able to sell it uh, at what was you know reported to be a, a, a profit. So um, he, he does have that experience with Miramax or and a film company, and uh, he does have that link to the Weinstein's. Larry, is there an example you can think of like this where there's some sort of entertainment company that immediately sold or or maybe just sort of an example of corporate divorce like this with a main figurehead at a company like this in recent memory? Not of this size. The only entertainment company that experienced anything like this is obviously the Fox situation with Roger Ailes, where they had to divorce themselves from somebody that was accused of this type of egregious conduct. But because of the size and the other assets that were there, uh, they made a quick uh, excision and they were able to move on. Uh, I don't recall where this type of situation occurred where somebody was a founder. Uh, Sure, there were a lot of uh, famous separations. Jeff Katzenberg from uh, Disney when he wasn't promoted, but uh, because there was such strength, and it wasn't because of of peccadillos, it was rather because of corporate differences that it didn't have the impact that this has. So I don't think anybody could— think of a situation where there was such notoriety where somebody was forced to vacate and a sale took place. This is highly unusual. Uh, Explain to me a little bit about how the sale happens because the Weinstein brothers each own 23% of the equity of this company. Roger Ailes, for instance, not an equity holder in Fox or not a big one, at least if he owned any through his employment agreement. So how does this work? Is, Is Harvey Weinstein forced into doing the sale? This is is a very unusual situation because in most businesses, and particularly Hollywood privately held companies, the typical shareholder agreement requires when someone is terminated, particularly for cause, whether as an officer and removed from the board of directors, there are generally provisions that require that individual to sell his shares. And whether it's sold at a discount or fair market value, there is a requirement that it's sold. We know in this case, because of the strength of his negotiating position at the time he entered into these agreements, he doesn't have that. So it's important that people understand, notwithstanding the fact that Harvey was fired, removed from the board, he still holds on to his equity. And that equity is significant equity. It's 23%, which under certain circumstances where a company would require a supermajority to take action, he could prevent that type of uh, transaction from taking place. Therefore, we don't know what the colony deal is. What it's, I have to believe, based upon my experience, that it would have to be an asset-based deal. Because I don't think any company or any sound individual can say, I'm going to make an investment by buying this company, knowing it's facing significant lawsuits from the women, from potential other equity holders, that the board was uh, derelict in its duties. So to me, this smacks of a situation where they are going to be making an investment to buy specific assets. And they may be able to do that based upon a vote of 75% or greater of the shareholders would not require Harvey's approval. Approval. Completely fascinating situation. I, I really don't know that I can think of anything like this where where Harvey Weinstein, in essence, would still have control over the fate of this company. And, and I'm sure, on the face of it, he wouldn't want to sell the company because he would be admitting and acknowledging and basically giving up his future. And the only thing he has 
sort of holding on to this Correct. is his equity stake in the company, and yet simultaneously must realize that the biggest detriment to the future of this company is him himself. And think about on the other side, what investor would make a decision to buy the stock knowing that he is going to remain in the company, and as we said earlier, in a talent-driven business where he is an absolute pariah. So it is highly unusual, and it just doesn't make sense that anyone is going to be buying the stock of this company without an understanding that he is going to sell. And he's in a very, as a minority shareholder, and knowing there may not what we call a, a drag-along right, they may not have that. Typically, companies may provide to a minority shareholder, I can drag you along in the event of a sale. I don't think, I'm pretty certain that doesn't exist in this case. So they have no right to compel him to sell his shares. So he has tremendous leverage which we all know, notwithstanding his problems, he's not averse to using to his advantage. Anusha Sakui in Los Angeles, our Bloomberg's entertainment reporter, and Larry Hutcher, co-founder and co-managing partner at Davidoff Hutcher and Citron, a New York-based law firm. Thank you both for joining us. Our pleasure. That'll do it for this week's episode of Deal of the Week. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, remember, you can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts or on Bloomberg.com or the Bloomberg Terminal. Also, if you have a minute, please rate and review the show at Apple Podcasts. Very interested to hear what you think of the show and any ideas you have going forward. Also, follow me at, on Twitter at Sherman4949. And if you have any interest in emailing me about a potential future idea for the show, feel free, asherman6 at Bloomberg.net. See you next week. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.